And the next one. Okay, does anyone recognize that symbol? What's that symbol for? Facebook. Now, um, what I'm talking about this morning is a passage in Acts. We're carrying on our um, uh, series in Acts. And I'm entitling this, Look at Us. Now, that's basically what people go on Facebook for. They say, look at us, don't they? So did you know that 1.4 billion people every day go on Facebook and post something? That is a fifth of the world's population. It's incredible. And some things are interesting, admittedly. Some things are really not interesting. Do you want to see the next slide? Some people will just put a post up about what they've eaten. And um, basically saying, look at our life. So you'd be talking about your children, your holidays, your new romance, whatever. And people would just say, look at us. And that is something which um, Peter says in Acts. He says, look at us. And there's lots of people out there in this world saying, look at us. Lots of celebrities, um, marketing all, all marketing and advertising, it's all just saying, look at us, look at this product. And um, even the church, you might feel the church is like saying, look at us, come and be with us, look at us, look what we do. And there's all these people saying, look at us. But Peter says it in this passage we're about to read, that'll read together. And uh, so let's just go straight into that and read that together. So Acts 3, 1 to 10. For you visiting, we're just going through the book of Acts and we're looking at how we partner with the presence of the Holy Spirit today. And so we're going to look at this passage where we come to in Acts 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask for alms. Arms, it's just an old word for money. Of those entering the temple, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive arms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his ankles, his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who had sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So, there's three aspects of what Peter says in this account that I want to look at together. The first point, look at us. The second thing is what I do have or what do I have and then finally I give to you okay so let's get straight into look at us before I have a little sip 
So the lame beggar thought he knew what he was looking for, didn't he? He went to the gate. He thought, if I go there, if I go and sit by the temple, the beautiful gate, he, knew that, he thought he knew what he would be able to get from the, the people going into the temple. Now, just incidentally, this beautiful gate, there's a historian that says of this gate, it tells us that it's greatly excelled in workmanship. Plated with gold and silver, still more richly and thickly, it was larger than any other gate. 50 cubits in height. Most gates are about 40. Its weight was so great that it took 20 men to move it. Its massiveness and magnificence therefore well earned it the name. Beautiful. The beggar thought he knew where to look for his needs. Outside the temple where God's people were coming to meet and pray. In the early 1900s, there's a, a poet who was also a tramp at the time, and then he became very famous, called W.H. Davies. And he said of one of his tramp friends that whenever he went into a new town, he'd first look for the, the church with a spire, with a cross on, and then he'd start begging in that area. Sadly, I don't know whether in the 21st century, needy people would first go to the church to look for help. They may even consider it as a place of prejudice, as a place where they're going to be judged, or a place of hypocrisy. So together we need to work even harder to demonstrate something other than this. We need to work hard at changing people's perception. We want God, a people, to look at the church and look at the people of the church and connect their love of God with love for people. However, we know it's not the beauty of the gate or the temple or a cathedral or the beauty of a church that's going to draw people into the love of God. We can actually look around this country and we can see pretty empty cathedrals, lots of churches, beautiful buildings, but they've actually been converted into pubs or nightclubs or even homes. And this is a stark reminder that actually a beautiful building does not bring people into the presence and the love of God and transform lives. People change lives. People don't come to a church building. They need to connect and be joined with a people. That's us. Peter did not say, when he saw this beggar, sorry, we're going to a prayer meeting. We haven't got time. He didn't even say, well, you can come along to the prayer meeting. It wasn't about the meeting. Sometimes we can think being a Christian is trying to get someone to a meeting. That's part of it. But it's not the whole story. If you look at this, this account, Peter caught the man's gaze. He knelt down. He took his hand. And he helped him right directly where his need was. 
And it's actually after that he was healed that he took him into the temple. Let's be those that bring and demonstrate the power and presence of God to people right where they are at, where they're hurting, actually outside of that door over there, not just here on a Sunday, outside on a Monday in your workplace, in the high streets. Let's meet people where they're really hurting. I'm sure you've heard people say, I like your Christ. Sorry, are you going to try and adjust the booming? I like your Christ. It's, it's, it's your Christians which I have a problem with. And actually, a famous man, Gandhi, said this after visiting a church. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Let this not be the case of us. Let's show a different way. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he was able to say, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. Jesus now ascended. Do you know how... Is it better if I change um, microphone, Barney? Sorry about that sound, everyone. Okay now? So he said, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. Do you know what the case is now? Now Jesus ascended. The Father is looking to his church to display and to shine, like we heard earlier about Annie, to shine the likeness of the living God to a hurting people. And how do we do that? We do that with partnering with the presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence and the person of the Lord Jesus through the Holy Spirit in us. Earlier in Acts, as we were reading a few weeks ago, it talks about how Jesus instructs his disciples that you will be my witnesses. And this isn't just by our mouths, this is by our deeds as well. When we say, look at us, people should be able to say, wow, I can see the family likeness. My daughter was 18 yesterday, we posted a few, well, I didn't actually. <laughs> My wife posted a few pictures on Facebook and, um, of my daughter on her 18th birthday. And we got lots of things coming back. Oh, doesn't she look like you? Not me, my wife. <laughs> I just upset my daughter. And it should be the same. When we wander around and we say, look at us. People say, wow, I can see the family likeness. I can see your father, your heavenly father in you. I can see your brother, Jesus, in you. You're doing the things that he did. Another thing to note is that he said, Peter said, look at us. I think there's something profound about the plurality of what God's asked us to do. It was Peter and John, look at us. It wasn't just raising up one individual, one superhero. It's look at us. Firstly demonstrated in the Trinity. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And it continues. Father, Son and Holy Spirit and you. You're caught up in this team. So look at us. No superheroes, just actually a group of zeros who've just been connected 
to one another with Jesus Christ as the head, one body, demonstrating the profound wisdom and profound purposes of God on earth. Now, why do we... Oh, we have a dog in the house. There's no dogs allowed in this uh, coffee shop. It's all right. That's fine. We'll allow them on Sunday. We're not acting as a coffee shop, so we can have dogs here. The reason we want people to look at us is because we actually have something great to give away. What is that? It's not money. It's not food. It's not clothing. It's not even healing. But we can give all these things away and it's good. And we do. And through food bank, through giving money to people, through giving support, through praying for healing. But actually, all these things are not the most important thing a person needs. The one thing that we do have is the Lord Jesus. There's lots of things around us and around people that will distract. And the beggar thought he knew what he needed. He was actually surrounded by a beautiful man-made gate. He was next to people that he thought he might be able to get something from, but he thought he was just going to get money. That's what he thought he needed. And actually you'll meet people that surround themselves with beauty man-made things they might even surround themselves with people who think they're going to do them good they might even surround themselves with people at church you might even come here this morning and think actually if I come along with these people they can do me good yes we can but you need to receive the Lord Jesus for yourself don't just be be around the people of God don't be around the things of beauty that man and God has made receive the Lord Jesus because all those other things are just a temporary fix when we receive the Lord Jesus it's an eternal I'm going to say fix and it's an eternal thing that we receive that transforms everything it's the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ Uh, the father's desire is that his son receives a bride the church which is another metaphor for us, the church, the bride, which isn't stooped down, embarrassed, shameful, apologetic, an ugly ugly bride, but he wants a bride. This church and the churches across this world to stand proud. He wants a beautiful, vibrant, attractive bride without spot or blemish that draws people. For people to look at us, not hidden in a church building, but out there, outside the church building, displaying the manifold wisdom and beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ. So secondly, what do I have? So Peter said with conviction, what I do have. Do you know, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, what you have? What you have? what you have to give away. When uh, Jesus of Nazareth came, he came with a kingdom. 
In Luke 12:32, it says this. This is what Jesus promised his followers. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's given you the kingdom. Wow. He's given you the kingdom. Just note here, it says, fear not, little flock. He doesn't say, fear not, mighty men and women of God. Fear not, superheroes of heaven. He says, fear not, little flock. Your qualification for receiving Jesus and receiving the kingdom is not your greatness, not your ability, not your education. It's actually your smallness. It's your weakness. And it's your position in following Jesus. Fear not little flock, little sheep. If you say to yourselves, I'm a zero and I need God, my hero, to come and enter my life. I want to follow him just as Annie's done. He said, she said, I want to make Jesus the Lord and Saviour of my life. She'd realised that she can't do it on her own ability, her own strength. She needs to humbly come and say, Lord, I need you in my life. So what comes with the kingdom that we've all been given as followers of Christ? Power and authority. That's what we have. Power and authority. Peter is convinced of this. He's convinced that healing is something we have. It's part of our inheritance. It's what we have through the gospel. Are you convinced that Jesus through Jesus' death and resurrection, he's completely broken the power and authority over the curse of sin and sickness. Peter enforces this authority without any doubt. He believes that Jesus can forgive and it's no more difficult for him to heal on that day. Sin entered this World and with it came sickness. And if God's dealt with uh, sin, he can deal with sickness as well. If you notice his prayer, Peter, he doesn't do a lengthy prayer. He just assured and he simply believes in the power of the finished work of the cross and he commands in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. when you realise that Jesus is the champion of heaven that he's disarmed every dominion disarmed every demon in this world and that he sat down at the right hand of the father far above all rule and authority and power the amazing thing is we're seated with him as well as it says in Ephesians 2.6, when you start to understand that, this place that we come from, that we carry the resurrection power and this eternal hope, it changes everything. Knowing who you are and who has sent you and what authority you carry 
is so important. We have a value in, as a church of being expectant. Are you expectant of yourselves, of this church, of this resurrection power that we carry? Not just in church when it's all quite cosy and comfortable. When you go out, you still carry the presence of God and his authority. Now, I've got a slide here for an RNLI. Now, RNLI's vision is to end preventable loss of life at sea. And I don't know if you noticed, but when someone's drowning in the water, a lifeguard will dive into the water as well, in the same water that the other guy's drowning. But it's something very different. And what is that? It's because the lifeguard has a purpose. He understands and has a confidence in the authority and the commission that he's been given and who he's connected to, in this case, the helicopter. It changes everything. If you understand your purpose, the authority that you've been given, and who you're connected to, it changes everything. Two men in the same water drowning. One's drowning, one's exerting his authority. Now once God did save mankind with a lifeboat, do you remember the ark? The wooden ark. And now he's come to save with a wooden cross. He's come to save each one of us with a wooden cross. We've been sent on a mission to preach Christ crucified. We are sent with a distinct authority and purpose. We are sent from the victory of the cross to partner with Jesus, our Saviour, connected to God through the Holy Spirit. This is who you are. This is who you are. You're Christ's ambassadors. A few weeks ago, I was walking through Chertsey and I saw a, a builder walking along and he had a, a body warmer. And on the back of his body warmer, there was a picture of, uh, it was quite an old picture. It was like all sort of sepia. I could tell it was from a, 100 years ago or so, it looked really old. And it was of a, of, a, of a man and a young boy. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I've not seen that before on a builder. So I went up to him and said, oh, that's an interesting picture on your back. What's that of? And he said, oh, it's the, the contractor I work for. Um, that's, his, that's his father. It's, his, it's him and his father uh, many years ago. And uh, I work for this business. And it just got me thinking, we work for the family business too. We work for the father and the son, don't we? We're clothed in Jesus. And we go out with that commission. We go out each day wearing Jesus, bearing uh, the name of Jesus. And it just maybe understand something of what we have to give away and what we're part of and what we're included into. Um, I hope that helps you, that picture as well. So finally, I give to you. Give it away. Um, I've got a slide actually for this. Um, as you go, it says in Matthew, proclaim this message. So we've been given the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. 
So this isn't something for us just to hold on to. This is something for us to freely give. Peter and John were just being obedient to this command that Jesus gave to them earlier. They were just following that. Just as Annie obeyed the command to repent and be baptised. This is another command. Go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those that are ill, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Have you noticed that that list of things we can't really do in our own strength? I can't do that. It's only through the understanding whose authority you have and who you're partnering with that you are able to step out and bring this into being. We pray, let your kingdom come, don't we? But it's not just a case of praying, let your kingdom come. It's a case of bringing that authority in that moment. It's a case of speaking it into being. Not let your kingdom come. If it's your will, let it be done. But let your kingdom come now. It's a command. It's a, you're bringing it into being. Let your kingdom come now. Let your rule and your reign come now. Here on earth as it is in heaven. Let the reign of Jesus come here on earth. So as he said, walk. There's other things we can say to people. Be free. Open your eyes. Be healed. Not sure what that is. Be still. Oh, I see. Is someone in there? All right, don't worry, it's fine. Hold on. Drama over. Well done, Colin. <laughs> he was probably quietly trying to go to the toilet, wasn't he? He didn't do that, did he? Don't all look at him when he comes out. Okay, look at me. On the last day of this Catalyst Festival, which um, we, a number of us went to, about 60 of us went to, it's a festival up in the Midlands where just whole groups from churches from across the world come together and worship God and hear some teaching and have lots of fun together. On the last day, we had uh, one of the main leaders speak to us, and he was talking about giving it away. And uh, he said this. He said, he was speaking from Mark 4 about how the kingdom of God looks like this. It looks like a man and a woman planting seeds. Doesn't sound very glamorous, does it? It looks like a man and a woman planting seeds. Planting seeds. And this is what I'm talking about. Planting seeds of the kingdom. Okay? It's not about celebrities promoting a program, but just ordinary men and women planting seeds. 